Hello and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Harris and Brian, each episode will unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. In this episode, you'll hear the second of two conversations the crew had on youth athletics. In the first, our focus was on the lessons we learned through our participation in athletics growing up. Here, we talk about our efforts to apply those lessons as fathers of young athletes. While the first episode provides valuable context to this conversation, we're confident that this episode can be listened to as a standalone. Be sure to check out the show notes as we found a lot of great information on the challenges, impact, and the importance of youth athletics. While it's simply not possible for us to talk about everything, we hope that the resources provided help others who are seeking to have their own conversation. Finally, we want to provide a content warning. There are references to sexual assault made in minutes 38 to 41 of this episode. And we wanted to give anyone who's sensitive to this topic a heads up so that they may choose the path forward that's best for them. Thank you for listening. Gentlemen, what's the good word? What is good? What's going on? What's going on? How you doing, man? I'm good. I am good. Um, you know, I was thinking about the the mental health check-in, and I realized for the first time in a long time, or at least in my recent recollection, I'm by myself. Mm. Mm. My my daughter is on a road trip with her mom for the weekend, sending them traveling mercies. Yes. And my lady is, um, she went back home. Say, say it again. Your well, lady. My lady. Go ahead, say it. She went back home to Denver. <laughs> um, and, and, and she is uh, doing her thing this weekend, sending her traveling mercies as well. Very nice. Um, mm-hmm. But that leaves me with a lot of quiet time, um, which I'm sure I'll fill up. But we talked last time about Brian, you taking an opportunity to to be at peace and to just have some some active downtime. Mm-hmm. And I find myself in that same uh, position and not really sure. It's weird. What I'm gonna do? With it's it. weird. <laughs> it's like, huh. yeah. It's like, hmm. What should so, I do? So, yeah. So, um. You know, as it relates to, to mental health, I'll take that and I'll I'll I'm at like a two or a three, but I'm looking forward to this really, really deliberate time to be contemplative or to sleep. Uh which whichever um Come first. happens first. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm good. How about you guys? Well, well can I ask a follow up question? Sure. Is that two or three because it's just this empty space and you just don't know what to do? Or is it because, man, there's so much that I can be doing? And I will get to it when I get to it. Like, which, which, which is it? Sure. So I'm the king of lists, right? Yeah. Like, I, it's funny. I will, and I'll, I buy these journals. So I'll, I'll open up a journal with the goal to write a list, and I'll find a list that I wrote five years ago, and it's like the same to do list. Um, so I can always find something to fill space, and. It's a two or three because one, I see this as value and I see it as a good thing. I'm just not sure how to make the most of it. 
Um, so how, you know how to wield all this power. Right, right, right. But also knowing <laughs> that it's finite. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then and next week it's gonna be like, what you tired? Yeah. You you had last weekend to rest. So. That's good though, man. I you mean, know, and it's funny that you say that part about you had last week. Like, we do have a tendency to to try to bank rest. You know, <laughs> like you know, oh well, I got it in last week. And the truth of the matter is, rest is supposed to be a daily thing. Yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> they say you can't, even though it feels like you could make up sleep, but the scientists say you can't make up sleep. Right. I mean, if that was the case, we'd be sleep down, Jack. I I got sleep from 97 I'm trying to catch up on. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's Uh, what's up, man. I'm I'm, I'm glad to have you in this this moment right now where I'm pretty sure you'll read some stuff. I'm pretty sure you'll watch some stuff. But I'm also pretty sure that, you know, sometimes it's just good to sit your butt down. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. Harris, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I am at a solid... Uh, I guess I'll say on the personal side, two. Uh, on the professional side, of four point five. Um, nothing is nothing's terrible. It's just um, you know stress levels. Mm. Um, but I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of on a high. Uh, so this week, uh, the Special Olympics held a, um, a summer sports mini camp. And it was for, you know, it's for kids at all levels. Um, and so it was three days and we went and um, Stella, as as uh, hopefully people know by now, my, my daughter Stella has like all of these allergies and she ended up having an allergic reaction. Mm. To, to what? Well, she what had, to what? Yeah. To the grass. Ah, yeah. 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 To the grass. So. So here's what they did, though. You know, first they were they called they called Mallory. Uh, Mallory told him what to do. Nisia jumped in. Nisia already had the hydroxyzine ready, like boom, bow. This is what you need. Uh, so Stella took the medicine. They um, they gave her they gave her new clothes. Like they gave her like a big shirt that she could wear because you know the grass is on her was on her clothes. Um, they got her new snacks, you know, like a new water bottle, just in case the grass got on the water bottle. But here's the biggest thing. They moved the it was the final day. They moved the um, the celebration, you know, the completion celebration indoors. Nice. Because of, because of her specifically. And um, it just. When you're not in the atmosphere where people don't don't get it. Uh, when you're not in an atmosphere where people get it, um, you know, it's almost like they're annoyed by by that. But I, I guess, you know, since the Special Olympics, they are tuned in to people's needs and it the the positivity around it, the the caring around it. Uh, it was one of those reminders. <laughs> it gave me faith back in humanity. Like, oh, you know, so it, it Stella was in probably the best spirits after an allergic reaction she's ever been. That's what's so up, it just, just letting me know that it's real, <laughs> that it exists. It just, it put me in a real good space. And that's just great that they, that they did that pivot. You know what I mean? That they, that they did that. Cause as a parent, you know, sometimes it's difficult to, like you said, like this is, this is Harris's day to day allergies every day but then when you release them into the atmosphere it's like 
I need for y'all to help. And I'm glad that they were able to do that. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. If if there are if there's a person or persons who you can shout out or big up for that, Harris, um, e- either, you know, personally or or even in a letter, please make sure you do that because that's the kind of feedback that they need. Yeah, that's real. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've spent some time in that camp counselor life where you're putting out fires and trying. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, you're good if nobody complained that you were harming their kid yeah. or trying to be unfair. Yeah. But to actually hear something like that, yeah. because a lot of times they're run by, by youth as well. Um, so that's dope, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. I'm very I'm ha- glad you, happy. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Um, we had talked about it, but I'm going to do it today. On so your day forget. off. Um, I'm going to do it on my day off. You know? okay. But this kind of work is, is, is life-giving. You know, like I, I'll yeah. do this. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the kind of story that they'll they'll put forefront because that that's huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. B, man, listen, I uh, had an opportunity to see my mom's last week. She came into town uh, for oh. a week uh, because uh, Fiza and I took a little vacation, man. So it was great to see my mom and shout out to mom Dukes and then shout out to my mother-in-law as well, because my mother-in-law kept Nas for the week and my mom had her own week with baby girl. And so tag team back again, man, listen, it was absolutely amazing. We uh, actually traveled to Portland, Maine. Now, listen, we were the only pepper flakes. Well, I was the only pepper flake that I saw other than a couple other pepper flakes. But it was absolutely amazing. We had, an, a, we had a wonderful time. The warmth of the, uh, of, of the folks, um, like the staff in, in restaurants and, and in the hotel, everything was just, was just lovely. And so that was time spent with Pfizer where I was at like a negative one. It was just great. There was... There was no stress, but then I found that there was this, um, this other stress of wanting to do so much and not really being present in the moment of certain things that we were doing. I tell you, man, we had lunch and we just talked, right? Like we would go for a walk and like you felt the breeze and like we laughed and we heard seagulls and it was just, it was just a good look and like how the universe works. Y'all know I love bourbon. So our last night there, we go to this uh, cocktail bar. And we're sitting indoors, right? And it's like, it's still COVID, and, but it feels kind of different. But we sat in this bar and this couple sat next to us. And y'all know me, I talk to anybody. So it was this, this couple. Um, and lo and behold, they were from Louisville, the bourbon capital of the world. And I just started talking to this guy just about, you know, his business and how he manages stress and fathering and parenting. And it got into a deep conversation where he was just like, no one has ever talked to me about parenting. But in that conversation, he told me about losing his son in a house fire. Now, again, we were probably a half hour, 45 minutes in. But what it then turned into was him saying, what's your wish list bourbons? So I just told him and he was just like, look. All of his wish list bourbons are on me. And so for the bourbon listeners out there, I had uh, Tom Handy. uh, I had Elijah Craig 18, Toasted Barrel. Uh, What else did I have? 
I mean, I, I, I had so many. I had too many. And I got a text from him later on that, that or actually the next day, because he was just like, hey, man, my wife told me that uh, I overserved you. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, you did, because uh, we got a flight in two minutes and we just made it. But that was a moment during the, the, the pandemic where there was, there was no stress associated with work. There was no stress associated with stability. There was no stress associated with when is the next thing going to come? The stress was just not wanting that time with my wife to be gone. But mm-hmm. um, moms and stepmoms sent pictures of the kids. And um, so, yeah, man, it was, it was just a great time. It was just a good space to be in. And, and now that I know that I could get back to that space, um, it just it further gives me the courage to, to, to continue to move forward. And shout out, shout out to Dan uh, in Louisville. Um, and again, you know, lifting you up in prayer. Um, you just you just a good dude. He did mention that he was down with Mitch McConnell, and I was just like, "Look, over bourbon, we both like brown liquor, so you know." Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Back to the bourbon. Yeah, back to the bourbon. <laughs> bourbon brings people together, but then your views bring people apart. You know, be listening to your story reminds me of how much bandwidth we carry around that is mm-hmm. devoted to our children's well-being. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, as it should be. When your daughter and when your son were completely well taken care of and you and Pfizer knew that they were getting, you know, that A-plus treatment, yeah. the the amount of comfort and space and, and creativity that you were able to pour right. into each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's incredible, man, and it's it's a gift um, to any parent who can even for a day or a couple hours just not worry about about their kid. Um, you know, it's a gift, and I'm, I'm glad you got Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I, I call it that subscript, you know, in the back of your head that we used to use mm-hmm. to remember stuff and the you know to be our best selves. That that all belongs to the kids now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. But even the same goes for you, Harris. You know, there's got to be some anxiety when sending your daughter off to a camp of any kind. Yeah. Um, it's particularly knowing that she has allergies, um, but to know that she's taking care of these people got yeah. her back. Her sister has her back. Yeah. Like, they, they already know what to do. That, that's got to be a great feeling as well. Yeah, that is. You know, that's part of the reason why we did homeschooling, because... We just were not that trust. We we were not in atmospheres that uh, where people gave that level of care. Yeah, well, I still I'm glad both your kids um, got it in in these past couple of weeks, and you guys had that those very real examples to draw upon. Let's jump into this question of the week. Yeah, all right. I know you know it's been a long time <laughs> since I've dropped the question of the week. Uh, so. Here's the question. What is your favorite, in, in the spirit of the Olympics, what is your favorite outlier sport and why? And if you don't have an outlier sport, um, what is what sport do you wish was an Olympic sport and why? So if you have one, a favorite outlier sport, share that. But if you don't have one, what is the sport that you wish was an Olympic sport? All right. Every city has their like unofficial 
every man for themselves basketball game. Some people call it 21. Some people call it 50 50 put out. Life or death. You know, life or death. Right? <laughs> on the pole. Like, <laughs> I'm playing a game at eight called Life or Death. Like, Listen. yeah. <laughs> I would love so this is my this is my um you know this is my what game do I wish man I would love to see an Olympic version of that kind of tournament style of that every man for themselves every person for themselves uh basketball game where you know people just going in and they would have to like they would they would have to normalize it right because you know each one's a little bit different but there's the you gotta make the shot and you gotta go to the line. Right, we can work out all the other. <laughs> we can work out all the other details. Oh, and where I come from, you have to at least bounce the ball when you catch the uh, rebound. You know, so as long as those three things are there, Olympus can tweak whatever else they want. But boom, boom. Do you know how hype that would be? Man, listen, listen. There's a country somewhere that would mop us. Like we thinking that America would dominate. Look, there's probably a country in Poland. Right now, where it's just like, look, we got bombs coming at us every day. Take this elbow, Jerome. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that. I was like, you know, given how many games of 21 ended in a fight, yeah. I don't want to see like this multi-country yeah. brawl. Nah. Like it would be a, it would be a dope nah. event until after the Olympics when these countries are still at war yeah. over that thing yeah. that that one dude from Ukraine yeah. did to that guy from Algeria. Yes. Yeah. That'll be a part yes. of folklore because it's like, why did this, why is this world keep going? Well, y'all remember in the Olympics, uh, Serbia went ahead and not only dunked on them, uh, but stepped over them too. Um, and they weren't having it. And like, ever since we, ever since we added Harris Ball, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the world's been at odds. Oh man, listen. I definitely want okay. that. I definitely want that. Go ahead. Go ahead, D. What you got? The easy answer would have been water polo because that's my favorite sport um, to, to play. But I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is synchronized swimming <laughs> for two reasons. One, because it is, it seems impossible to do. Mm. And two, I don't even know how they came up with it. Like, how do you just sit in the pool treading water and be like, now we need to all put on makeup and do the same thing at the same time? Like, it is nothing that I'm interested in, but just the physical feat mm. that they that 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 they have to endure and able to do it, period, much less well. Yeah. Like there, there are people who can't dance synchronized on a stage. Yeah. And we're talking about in water. So I think it's, it is my favorite sport because it's so random and so like extreme that I don't even know how it even came to be, much less included in the Olympics point. in the first place. That's a good point. Cause you, that's, that's a good point. Because, you yeah. know, like if you're doing choreographed dance, you got a mirror in front of you, right? And, and, and you yeah. got somebody doing choreography. In the water, I don't know about y'all, but I close my eyes in the water. I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm not a swimmer. Yeah. 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 And and I mean, you know, the water movement, all of all that, of and trying to keep it together. Water cold. You know, you see certain things, but I, I wonder, again, since you did uh, water polo, were you more in tune to be like, no, nah, that ain't, that, that that's super. You know no, what I, I mean? I, the thing, it's the sense of calm. Mm -hmm. Like, their faces look like it's just another day at the office yeah. and below the water just to look at what their legs have to do just to keep them moving. It's 
it's insane. Water polo, you know it's a frenzy just by looking at it. You look like, eh, yeah. I don't know. That looks that looks dangerous. But yeah, those cats. Listen, it was 19... Uh, I remember this vividly. It was 1998 that I realized that water polo folks and synchronized swimmers, they ain't stepping on the ground. They swimming. Like, they feet ain't touching. Like, you should have saw me because I'm sitting here like, man, water polo ain't that hard. And then they showed an underwater view and I was just like, Mm-hmm. That endurance, I, mean, I ain't called endurance. That's called machine. Like, yeah, I don't no, know how you did it. Nine. That's just one sport where my job would have been. Look, I'm the enforcer. I'm just gonna stand somewhere and just look. Hand me the ball, I'm gonna throw some butt, hit him in the face. I'm gonna do cannonballs <laughs> on top of the other team. Just let me know. <laughs> are, are there penalties in, in, in water polo? Jammed arms. Yeah, it's a, so water polo is a lot like soccer. Okay. Um, so there's there's penalties there's there's a stoppage and then free shots but the same kind of foul even the same kind of setup on on the the area of play i won't say the field because it's a pool but yeah it's it operates very similarly to soccer and i think hockey does too i'm very intrigued but besides but like do the goalies wear mouthpieces Everybody wears a mouthpiece because okay. um, you can get caught in the teeth. And most of them have two pairs of Speedos because you can get your Speedos ripped off. Mm. Man, okay. listen, I ain't never talking reckless to somebody that say they do water polo, bro. Can you Not imagine no. a, a mouthpiece in your mouth in the water? No. That's yeah, well, a lot. No, until you have to imagine uh, your tooth in the back of your throat in the water. No. So, you know. You got to pick and choose. You got all my okay. respect, man. You got you got my all of my respect. My sport would be, I love, just like the dime, the sport that I love to play the most was shot putting. Shot putting and mm-hmm. discus. Um, because, again, you're an individual out there on a platform. No one gives a crap about what you do until your first place, you know, can get you 10 points for your squad. Um, and it's just something about stepping in that circle. And you got, you know, a 12-pound shot. And it's like, my goal is to throw this as far as I can, or put this as far as I can. So shot put would be it. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the sport that I would love to see in the Olympics, I got three of them. I would love to see double okay. Dutch. <laughs> okay. I would okay. love oh, to yeah. see hey, that's legit. dominoes. And I would love to see spades. Again, a, a, another war breaks out. Pretty much, space. pretty much. Because because here here's the thing, right? I can't think of too many sports where what you use to play is random, right? You can strategize in water polo. You can strategize with basketball, right? But when it comes to spades, like if you don't get that big joker, you can't do nothing. If you ain't got no, you just gotta make the you best. Just gotta make the best. You, just, you, you, just, you can count the cards if you want to. Same thing with dominoes. It's just like, ugh. So I would, I would love to see that. But I think double dutch. I think they really should bring in double dutch because that would be so dope. And I think that again, we have this American centric, you know, thought. But I think like a country like China mm-hmm. could give us the business. Like, yeah. but you know, the finals would be like a group of girls from Harlem. And then you know a, a couple a couple of girls from the part of China, Baltimore. They they be in there. Yeah, ba- oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You got Baltimore. Maybe U.S. versus U.S. versus U.S. <laughs> and then Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> then Serbia.
Yeah, no, that's what's up. So this is our second crack at uh, the youth athletics topic. One of the things that we noticed after our last episode is that we had a lot to unpack as it relates to our own journeys with youth sports. And we ended up focusing a lot on our why, you know, the things that that created where we are now and what our perspectives are as they relate to our children. And so we didn't get, get a chance to answer as many of the questions that particularly focus on our current actions with our kids. So we wanted to have another shot to answer some of those questions. We had a really, really good um, group of questions from Facebook and, and our friends have kind of reached out to us. And so we wanted to incorporate as much of the things that people are, are, are dealing with in real time um, and to have that that extra opportunity to have this conversation. So um, this is part two of our Youth Athletics podcast. Who wants to start it off? All right. So um, if your children didn't participate in sports, what other activities would you explore to impart the lessons often associated with sports? And I do have my answer, but I want to say it first this time. Okay. So for me, it would be dance. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll never forget when I took Ella to dance class when she was four at the Davis Center. Shout out to to Miss Davis. And I I said, you know, Ella's really excited to be here and I'm glad to, to have you as her dance instructor. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not teaching these girls how to dance. I'm teaching these girls how to be comfortable in their skin, how to move their body, how to show up on time, how to be dressed for the part. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Yeah. And I was like, so I'll be back at two because I, <laughs> I, I was like, yo, this is this is so valuable. And, and everything that she's done, she, she's since moved to a different dance school that she loves as well. Uh, but everything that she's done, you know, the balance, the the comfort in her own skin, both physically comfortable in terms of how she moves, but also just the sense of self and confidence. Um, Dance really, really um, provided that foundation and I'm glad she had it. And I'm glad that she had it in that particular way. That's awesome. That's a good one. Uh, You know, it's funny, when you first mentioned it, I was just kind of like, but is dance a sport? Uh, like I, I just realized, like I don't know the definition. Like, is there a firm definition of what makes something a sport or not? So, in my countless arguments and debates, as being <laughs> the athletic meathead that I am, I would often get in arguments. Um, I wouldn't call it arguments, um, heated discussions uh, with mm. folks that said that they were athletes, and I would say, if your sport don't make you sweat, you just playing something. And that didn't go over too well until, you know, I started engaging in activities where I'm like, I ain't going to sweat and was tired as heck um, after it. So with dominoes. Uh, listen, you play space with black folks, man. Listen, yeah, it's a sport. <laughs> you sweat. <Yeah. laughs> you better not renege, boy. You better not renege. Um, but no, that, I, I would just say to each his own. I think that there are activities and I think that they are sports. So, um, but yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. All right. So what about you, man? Um, Band. Being a musician. Mm. Like, I played um, the drums the greater half of, shoot, 20 20 years. Um, And as uh, a a snare drummer, 
and percussionists, um, you know, you, you are often put to the back. You know, you got the woodwinds, you got the strings, you know, you got the horns, and then you got the drums and the percussionists. But there was just something about having to read music and identifying pitch and tempo. It's like looking and identifying a playbook. And then I always saw the game or the event as the program or the performance. And the coach was often the band instructor, right? And he had or she had to know every aspect of who was playing what and what was playing and timing and things of that nature. And there was extra attention often provided to the percussionist because as Mr. Harris would say back at Jackie Robinson Middle School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he would often say, you are the heartbeat. Everybody else is the pulse. And without a heartbeat, we ain't got no pulse. And that's stuck with me. And I just think that as an individual in playing a sport, you are an individual, but then you recognize that you are part of something greater. So, yeah, I, I would definitely say you, you know, Nas and Sadia, if, if sports are secondary to everything that you do, the first thing that you should really think about is music. And y'all know how much I love music. So that's good. There's a lot that's analogous um, with, with band and, 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 and athletics. That's, that's dope. Thank you. Oh, let me tell you how I got into and, drums. So you know how y'all get those recorders in like first grade, second grade, everybody get recorders. So, oh, so, yeah. so I went to a public school, everybody get recorders. I was the only one that broke it in half and started using it on the couch of drumsticks. Yeah, man, I needed some help back in the day. Um, a, a drummer was born. <laughs> I was like, what does that do? And uh, yeah, it was a Yamaha Brown recorder. And after I got done with it, it was two hollowed out drumsticks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I probably got a whooping for that. I probably got a whooping for that. Yeah, there uh, it is. Great. What about what about you, Harris? I love it. I, I just also wanted to say, yeah, you definitely sweating while um, doing band. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, Let your part yeah, come I up. Let your that. solo come up. <laughs> all right, uh, and, and the uniforms probably smell too after a while. I mean, we'll talk saying. about that. Keep moving. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna say uh, art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mallory is an artist. And uh, when I see they're, they're really a top five that uh, I see the girls really picking up on. And, um, you know, number one is is learning how to follow. Because you have to learn, you have to follow directions, mm-hmm. yeah, if you, especially if you're trying to learn like a new technique, uh, learning how to lead, because there's the, um, you know, the best way to learn is usually is to teach. And um, so, you know, we do a lot of that um, as they do their art projects. Third is it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah, a big part of art and creativity is sometimes just just tearing it down and and, and just and starting over or or possibly having to figure it out and go a different direction. Uh, knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, especially if you're thinking about doing art professionally, um, it's really important to know, okay. Yeah, uh, painting might not be my my thing, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and finally, you have to discipline yourself. Like, if you're going to consider yourself an artist, it's all about the discipline. Um, it's all about the um, the sharpening of your craft. And uh, yeah, though, when, when I was thinking, I was like, okay, what? Do, I actually had to think, like, okay, what are all the things that I get from sports, and then. 
the arts are, you know, like, and when I say art, I mean like mixed media, um, you know, even figuring out what's your primary media, uh, all of that, I think still builds those foundations. When I think of the three examples that we gave, right, dance, uh, band, uh, but, but music in, in, in a greater sense, and then art, I think there's always this rush. And this, this is where they are also alike, are, are similar to athletics. There's always a rush from new people to do it their way, their own mm. way. Because they saw somebody else, you know, I want to be a jazz musician because I listen to Coltrane. I want to be, you know, I want to do what Alvin Ailey does, or I want to do what Basquiat uh, did. (laughs) What they often don't understand is all of the formalized training Mm -hmm. that, that happens, right? Like anybody who is, well, not anybody, but most of the cats in the NBA who, who have the most handles started off doing chess passes and just doing, learning how to dribble with their mm-hmm. offhand first. You know, they, they don't start off with, with their coming out of the, with, with their freestyle move or that, that, that saxophone solo that, that comes after you understand, well, just like you were saying, Brian, you got to learn how to read music yeah. first, 99% of mm-hmm. the time, you know, you have to learn how to take instruction, yeah. um, be it dance instruction to learn how your body works and what you can do, or um, learn what colors work on, on what type of medium and, and what types of things go together. So it's interesting how they all have that similarity. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, all, all of them are synonymous with having something that's equivalent to an injury, Right. Because again, if we're looking at this comparison with sports, like when I think of dance, dance is very physical. Where if you sprain an ankle, right, that's 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 it, right? It's very physical. With with art, it's like it's the mind, right? And to have a mental block, right, is is something that could be perceived as hampering a creative's ability to be able to create something amazing. And the same thing with with music. Right. Like the pressure can build so much that you could play something off tempo. And if you are a percussionist, you hear that. Right. It can't get lost in the melody of, you know, six other woodwinds or string like. And so I, 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 I appreciate this question because there are. Principles and theories that can be transferable, whether you are on a field or in front of a canvas. Your answer, Brian brought made me think of something, but I want to, I'll share it in the answer to this question. Are there any sports that are off the table in your household? Mm -hmm. And and I'll, I'll share mine while while you guys think gymnastics. Yep. You know, I, I don't, I, Football and gymnastics have a very, um, and particularly when I'm talking about gymnastics, I'm, I'm talking about women's gymnastics and girls' gymnastics. These two sports make me uncomfortable because it appears to me, and this is my untrained eye, that in order to be excellent in in these two spaces, you have to do your body harm. Harm. You know, mm-hmm. we're past the days where a regular sized dude who's six feet, you know, uh, is going to be a, a standout football player. You have to be faster, bigger, stronger, and a lot of times, um, those guys, in order to get paid to not get cut. Are are physically unhealthy to do anything else other other than to than to uh, be football players, um, and that's scary to me. On the opposite end, in order to be good gymnasts, a lot of a lot of those girls, and, and I say girls specifically because 
it starts when they're very young, have to have practices um, that that impact how their body develops. You know, a, a lot of them are shorter and it's not a coincidence because of like how they, because a lot of their, their bodies don't develop the same way because of what they're doing. A lot of them don't menstruate until later. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of weird things. And I, I respect gymnasts. I don't want to suggest that football players or, or gymnasts don't get my respect, but the harsh amount and the grueling amount of things that they have to put their body through, um, it's just more than I would want for my kid. And, and also there's the chance of, of serious injury at any, at any moment. Mm-hmm. Now it could happen. You can get hit in the face with a baseball. Tragic um, injury too. We're you, just not talking about sprained yeah. spray ankles, like tragic. Injury. Yeah. Damn. You can, I mean, you can hit a tree while skiing or you can drown. Um, or so there's, there's injury is a part of life, but just this past couple of weeks and, and the treatment of Simone Biles, um, <sighs> just go to show how we've normalized what she can do with her body so that when she says, I can't do it today, people have the nerve to question her, Yeah, you know? And, and, and I am glad that she has the space to, to say, this is, this is where my limit is and I'm not going to cross it for, for anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so many people don't have that space and the same goes for football. Um, so that's that's for me. I'm interested I, in what you guys think. But I would also throw I in actually, there too. I don't have, oh, go ahead, Harris. Let, let me jump in because like I really don't have that much more to add to this one except for for me it's football. And the the thing why it's football is there's so much denial of you know the um the, the head trauma. And that scares me. You know, and and I've seen, you know, I've 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 just seen it over and over again. So for all the reasons you stated, um, plus that denial factor, because I don't think they'll deny it for gymnastics, you know, the harm of the, you know, I mean, you can see it, you know, but I think with football is a little bit different. I would also throw in there too, D, um, just the incessant um, denial of the physical, um, how can I say, Larry Nasser. For Simone Biles to come out and talk about the assault that took place on her physical person and and more. For years. In years, decades. And this individual person was on a collegiate level, on a national level, and then on a global level. And so that 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 is one of the reasons why I agree with you with cheerleading, or excuse me, with um with with gymnastics. I have three. One is cheerleading. Um, there are more injuries per capita in cheerleading than any other sport, period. Um, to be able to throw someone up in the air and put your trust that they, are, they will be caught, no thank you. Football, of course. Um, and it's not just the head trauma. Be- ha- being someone that has played football, I am dealing with injuries below my head on a day-to-day basis, whether it's knees, patella tendinitis, whether it's arthritis. Like, I still have fingers you know, that have been pulled back, snapped. And it's just like, I got to go to work and I'm 30 years removed or 20 some odd years removed from playing football. And then the other thing, since we're talking about the Olympics and track and field pole vaulting, um, I've seen too many injuries being on the field because here's the thing. As a, a as a thrower, you're often somewhere with pole vaulters. So y'all are, y'all are together. Throwers and pole vaulters are often together. 
the sound of hearing a pole snap, the sound of hearing someone's pole hit the base at an angle that forces them to then hit the side of the mat. Like those sounds still stick with me. Um, And so those, those would be the three because um, two of those sports rely on the trust of gravity. We all know that with gravity, you're going to at some point hit the ground and I'm just, 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 I'm just not with those. You know, the irony, the sad irony is that the two biggest, from my perspective, um, scandals as it relates to um, sports in, in recent years was uh, in gymnastics and also what happened with Sandusky at Penn State. Yep. You know, uh-huh. the, I, the sports are dangerous enough whether you choose to be a part of them or not choose to be a part of them. But the idea that those who are in power are not protecting your kids. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That, 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 that's crushing. Yeah. That's crushing. Yeah. All right. So somebody asked something to cheer us up. Jeez. You know what? Here, I, I, I want to talk about a, uh, a growth that happened in, in, okay. in, in me. Uh, y'all, y'all have challenged me. Uh, and shout out to FISA, uh, and maybe we'll get to this later, who challenged me also in helping me to recognize that we are a sports family. I went ahead and said some shenanigans last episode where I was like, we ain't a sports family. I was standing on my soapbox and FISA <laughs> had to go ahead and bring me down a couple of pegs and say, you know, she ain't say fool. But what I interpreted was fool, we are a sports family. But be it as it may, participation trophies and awards. Before I had kids, I was like, man, heck no. You ain't accepted no participation trophies. You are not a second place person. Your goal and your effort always should be to dominate. And if a second place trophy means that you got second place, you ain't dominate. Throw that away because that's how I was. My parents didn't instill that in me. I was just that person. So I think we've talked about it before. Like I've gotten participation trophies and I throw throw them away, threw them away. But now in understanding child development, if that piece of ribbon encourages Nas or Sadia to keep going and to keep participating and to keep engaging, then I want to champion that as a father. Because it's not about me. Like what I was recognizing before was that I was imparting my beliefs and my theories on something that hasn't happened yet. But I have to look into that three-year-old son and be like, look, you were a great teammate. though." You are playing at three years old. They don't give out championship trophies, but you participated. And I'm glad that you woke up every day. Glad you were out there on that field. And so my growth is that I have to continue to fight with my own insecurities or my own stories to help Nas and Sadia develop and guide their own path. Now, if they become 18 and doing water polo and they get a participation trophy, I I ain't with that. They can decide. I'm listen, you can take the athlete out the game, but you can't take the game out the athlete. But anyways. I, I you just know, wanted to go ahead. I can't wait. So yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all ready, boy. Y'all look like y'all are nah, starting block about even, to go in. Even. You intrigued me about the developmental piece. I wanted to know, could you say a little bit more than that? Yeah, be, about that? Yeah. So you, you you think of it like this. We've all been in trainings and we've also been in classrooms where Simple things can inspire people to continue to go further. I think about when I was teaching, how would I take a concept like cursive writing and have an eight-year-old believe that they could do it? 
I just wasn't going to show them the curriculum as much as I was going to go ahead and engage with. There are going to be some bonuses and some rewards. And if you do this letter correctly and you write your name correctly, celebrate it, right? That's all part of the participation. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is encourage their endorphins to continue to fire at a rate where they can begin to say to themselves, I can do it. And then that developmentally then internalizes this motivation that then puts them on a path to want to continue to do it. And so if you remove that, what you are then doing is forcing them to do it because then they're not internally motivated to do it. And so you don't want to control the game. You only want to encourage them to do what is naturally in them to do. I think the phrase participation trophies might be a mislabeled I agree. Um, moniker. I agree. Right? Because if you think about Everybody it, participates. A high school a high school letterman jacket, that's a participation trophy. Pretty much. Like if you got your letter, yeah. you your letter was your was your participation yeah. trophy. Um oh, that's a good yeah. point. I think what we don't want to do is suggest that all the contributions are the same, right? I think there's a space for an MVP or the most whatever player. Um, but I think that there should also be a recognition for those who showed up mm-hmm. and, and put in work, mm-hmm. right? There was no, there was never a swim meet that was won by one yeah. person, right? Because you can get first, but there's, it's a team, it's a team yeah. thing. You got to get points. That one person who came in third in that race that they didn't want to do, the coach asked them to do it the last minute, they got points. Mm-hmm. Those points go to, you know, those scores at the end of the, at the end of the meet are in the hundreds sometimes. Yep. And so those points are made up by all the people who got second and third. And if they got a point value for fourth place, not just the person who was the first out the pool. Mm-hmm. And, and right. so that recognition, that team recognition is, is important. Um, I also think I've been on teams where there was another award that was a leadership award and that, and that may not go to the the most valuable mm-hmm. player. It might go to the the kid who Harris used the example who got the practice started when coach wasn't there. You know who who mm-hmm. when when the karate instructor didn't wasn't there or the teammate who goes to cheer up the other teammate who helps get their head in yeah. the game. You know, for those of you who are familiar with um basketball, Draymond Green is on the is on the Golden State Warriors. He's the one who's constantly willing to challenge everybody and also bring it, put everybody else's head in the game. Dude scores like eight points. And he's okay you know, with that. Um, that. He knows his role, and, but he is it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's never going to be the most valuable player based on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. But if they ask you, you know, what turned it around? It's like, yo, he fired me up. He asked me what yeah. I was doing. He helped, helped me get my head in the game. And those small things, the, the, the kid who's helping with the equipment, yep. you know, that they may not even get, in they might not even get in the game, yep. but they're there first. They're always there at practice. Yep. They're consistent. Hey. Those types of successes mm-hmm. need to be acknowledged yep. because success breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. And and the more that you acknowledge that type Absolutely. of behavior, which is what we're all trying to emulate, the more that child will see that it's not just about this one thing, you know, and, and maybe the MVP can say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I could get here on time. Too. Exactly. And you know, one, one of the, this is super cheesy, but one of my favorite sports movies that reflects exactly what you just said is Rudy. And if you've not seen okay. Rudy, um, it tells a story of a 
kid that had no chance of making the Notre Dame football team. And it gets into just how he was consistent. And he showed up and he got made fun of, but he stayed the course and made the team. And the team started to celebrate him more than the famous coach, the famous running back, the famous quarterback. And the the movie ends with him actually getting into his first game. And so I've actually utilized that for a lot of internal motivation. And, you know, a quote that sticks with me, and that is, you are never as good as they say you are, and you're never as bad as they say you are. Uh, That movie just kind of, you know, surmises how we should approach sports, right? Don't go in and expect that you're going to be the best. But don't let somebody tell you that you're not supposed to be out here at at the same time. So shout out to Draymond and shout out to those folks. And studies have also shown, too, that most of those kind of helpers of sports teams, so like the kids that are getting there on time and helping the coach and doing all of that, those often are the ones that become coaches or executive or team owners, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like they were sitting there getting all the game while the MVP is probably somewhere, you know, still trying to live their hoop dreams. Well, one thing you said that I really love, and it fits in the whole developmental thing, is especially with, with young children, consistency is one of the most important uh, aspects to mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Consistency. So when that child comes in and knows that certain things are going to be there, are going to be a certain way, now they feel safe. Yep. And once they feel safe, they can start moving towards that self-actualization. So, yeah, no, that's real good. All right, situational question. Your kid is an athlete in whatever whatever example you want to put uh, him or her in for this story and comes to you and says, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and you can choose the age and you can choose the level of, of, of competition. Um, how do you respond? I can't sit here and say that I've never quit something. Um, and it still sticks with me to this day. Uh, but one thing that my parents always did to support, and we've talked about this too, D, is why. Tell me why. If someone is causing emotional harm, physical harm, articulate that. If you don't feel that you are contributing, let's stick it out. Right. Like if there is harm on said person versus a feeling of contributing, you know, what's the plan first? Like, how can we plan? What can dad do? What can we do to help you stick the course? Right. But. You do have an option and I'm not going to look at you any different if you're not able to articulate it, if you just don't want to do it. But don't make it a habit. I was thinking, you know, in general, I, I try to play, pay close attention to whether or not the experience is giving more than it's taking. Um, you know, we, we know our children. Um, we know what we want them to gain from endurance. Um, but at the same time, I think especially especially now, you know, in this in this current season, uh, we really respect this notion of, okay, but what is this doing to my child overall? So 
for me, that that's kind of my um, my gauge. Is like if this feels like it's taking more from my child than it's giving, then yeah, I'll I'll let it go without thinking twice. So, so Harris, let's flip the question. What if you think the sport is taking more than it's giving from your child, but your child doesn't want to quit? Mm-hmm. Give give us an example of what that would look like in a sport. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, choose sports. Let's say basketball. And maybe the coach is hard. Maybe the, the, the team the team is, is hard on it. Or maybe it's just not something that, that your child is naturally gifted at. Um, and But for whatever reason, your child is committed to it and your child wants to go through it. But you see the fallout. Like maybe their temper is, is they're in a funky mood after practices. Um, maybe their shoulders are hunched up. We've seen our children's body language. They don't have to tell us what they're going through. And sometimes we see it. But, but you know, we also know that kids are, have, can have dogged determination. Personally, I would let it ride. Because um, okay. I, I, that was me. <laughs> Basketball. Okay. Was terrible for me, you know. I didn't. I didn't have the emotional, um, whatever. Like, you know, people mean on the court. You mm-hmm. know, you get called all kind of stuff. You miss a shot. Uh, yeah, even the crowd hates you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, it's like oh, y'all hate me too. <laughs> but mom, are you booing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, a kid growing up in the hood in Baltimore. Yeah, hey, whatever, whatever team I could get on, and um, I remember eventually. I remember the coach was just like, "Sit down." <laughs> and I mean, I still wanted to play. I played street, but but at a certain point, you know, I had to accept that. You know, I had to let go of my hoop dreams. Um, but I was glad that I was allowed to process it. I think. It's similar to um, similar to a lot of things that I know, like like we think about as fathers. Um, I know I think about it, especially having a daughter. Think about it, like if she's dating, you know, somebody that I may not particularly like. like hey, what's up, Harris? Like that? what, Harris? You better call me Mister Tay. <laughs> you look like you're thirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but we all we all know that if you handle that the wrong way, you can actually push that person right into that person's arms. Yeah. You can push your child into that person's arms. So anyway, it's similar to me. It's just you know, kid gloves, I guess. You know, my my approach isn't nearly as nuanced as either of yours. I do not want to break the seal on quitting. And mm-hmm. I know that from a child development approach, there's just going to be more things that we end um, so that we can find those great things. Um, so what, because I've actually dealt with this. I've had a kid that at 10, she's already played more sports than I have in my life. And that means that a lot of them weren't for her. Mm-hmm. But we talk about how we quit, right? You don't, you're not just going to stop showing up. Now, like, yeah. like, like B was saying, if your safety isn't an, an, an issue, if the coaching staff have shown that they actually care about you and this is not something where you are mentally or physically um, in jeopardy, then how we do it is important. You know, we're going to keep showing up. We're going to, you know, the season will end at some point in time and then we're going to talk to the coach 
and, and you're going to say, well, this sport is no longer for you. Um, and then we're going to move on and try to find something else. Ella started with lacrosse and she learned very early, I don't like contact sports. And, you know, that's just a thing. But I'm glad we learned mm-hmm. it so that we could, you know, save a lot of different avenues because, you know, when she's the smallest kid on the field, she's not trying to get bumped. Um, so go ahead, B. Now, one of the things I was going to say is, you know, I started to develop as an athlete and as a parent the ability to recognize even before their production on the field what the body is saying what the mind and what the spirit is saying. What I mean by that is how are the coaches interacting with the athletes, mm. right? Like, because a lot of times production on the field isn't because of less of talent, right? It's that it's because the coaches don't know how to utilize it. Just because you have someone that can't make a shot, we keep going to basketball, right? Right. Or if we are looking at another sport, it's not the fastest, there are spaces as a coach that you can put kids in or athletes in so that they can minimize on their talent. Like I was never the fastest, but I also wasn't going to be somebody that was going to be pushed around. I had two left legs when playing basketball, right? I just, I picked up basketball at 18. So when I would play pickup games in high school, right? Like I wasn't bringing the ball up and down the court, but you wasn't going to move me off the block in the post, right? Because the coach saw that. So that's one thing I look at is that how are the coaches interacting with the talent of the kids? The other thing I look at is how are players interacting with each other in intense situations? You know, because kids, athletes can want to quit because that perceived MVP is taking all the shots. It's calling kids out. It's not making this a team sport. So I look at that too. And the last thing I look at is how are parents interacting with their kids when they're on the field? You know, I am someone, I'm very silent on the sideline. I ain't yelling at the coach. I ain't yelling at anybody. I am focused on just my kid. And there are parents that are still trying to live out hoop dreams. There are parents that, and, and, and we've seen these viral videos where parents are running up on the field and trying to get after the referee or get after, you know, just the coaches. And it's just like, for what? Like, for what? Like, if, a coach harms my kid or is being harmful to other kids, then you know what? We got to talk about that. So those are the three things that I look at before I start getting to what Nas and Sadia are doing on the field. LeBron James comes to mind, right? We, we've talked about um, things that, that we appreciate about him as, a, as an athlete and as a father. Man, he seems like a terrible uh, dad... <laughs> For, for a coach or a ref to have to yeah. deal with. Oh, man, dude yeah. runs on the court. Yeah. Dude dude is yelling from... I'm like, dude, when you're the coach and LeBron James is yelling at you, you it's like, dude, yeah. when somebody says, how was your day? You're like, you know what? I don't even want to talk yeah. about it. No. Like, I... I get thirty dollars a game. I was just trying. I was trying to do my side. I ate Chick Fil A for lunch. Like, and I got LeBron yeah. James and his Bentley cussing me out. So my last question may seem kind of simple, but as I parsed it out, I, I think it might be more of a challenge than than I initially anticipated. What is sportsmanship, and, and, and what role does it play? And, and while you think about that. Some of these examples that we see, right? The athlete falls, who's a runner, and somebody else picks him up, and they draw and they go across the line together. Um, or 
there's a team, a teammate who never gets in the game and, you know, they put that person in the game and they, they hit the shot that, that nobody counts. You know, um, we see some of these performative things that, that may be sportsmanship, they may not be, but I'm curious in terms of, as it relates to you, what does sportsmanship look like? So I'm a, um, I'm a ponder a little bit. So sure. my, um, I don't know if you remember, I think maybe it was last year, year before where Serena Williams was, um, was, was angry. Uh, and she was playing, I think Osaka yeah. and, um, the, I think the, the energy out there was essentially that she was cheating, that Serena Williams was, was, was cheating. And, I was like, nah, nah, she wasn't cheating, you know. And one of my family members was like, "Look, all elite athletes cheat." You know, he's like, "It's you know, if, if you ain't can. cheating, you ain't trying." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, 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 just kind of saying that that competitive edge. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you, you look at basketball. You know, LeBron James falls out. Yeah, you, know, you look at soccer. Yeah, all of those type of things. And to me that all falls in the realm of poor sportsmanship. Um, and, you know, as armchair sports fans may may say, oh, look at LeBron, there you go, flopping. Uh, but when you're actually on the, you know, on the court, on the field, um, is it, I wonder, is it just part of the game? Like, ah, oh, you try, you got away with it this time. Ah, oh, you try, you didn't. And, um, but it's kind of like who you are. Um, and another way to look at it is, you know, the whole Jordan versus LeBron conversation. Yeah, you know, when I think about, I would say LeBron, I think LeBron is the best, but I do put in what he does off the field um, as well as on the field, I mean, on the court. So, um, so what would I say at my little level and what I expect from my girls? Uh, it's about integrity. Uh, yeah, if you gotta, it, it's not when at any means necessary by any means necessary. It's about, um, integrity. And I think it takes courage to have integrity. Um, and I, I, I that, that, that muscle for courage, I also am real in, in, intentional about building. So, uh, so yeah, that's what it is for me. Not cheating. Uh, that's why I quote unquote, like so many, you know, gentlemen sports, because you're really playing against yourself. And okay, I, I, I second that. The other thing I would say is just a term that I came up with um, when I was actually coaching, and that is competitive empathy. Mm. And we are all we are in a pursuit to win, but as we are winning, you recognize that there are people that are not going to win. So how do you find that balance to still be able to have the empathy in? And there's a, there's a video, and I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. There was like a state championship basketball game, and it was right under the, right under the, the, the basket. Jump shot goes in, half-court shot. Team goes crazy. The star on the team gets ready to put his hands up to celebrate, but he looks to the side and there is a kid that had just lost. And he was just like, and the kid went over to him and gave him a hug, pat him on the head and he said something to him. And he helped walk him like to his team. 
And then the other teammates were coming to, you know, the guy to hit the shot to celebrate with him. But he was telling him, like, no, nah, let me do this. So, yes, I want my kids to be great athletes. And I also want them to, if a person falls on the ground, pick them up. Right. If you slam dunk on somebody, don't humiliate them again. Right. They already got slam dunked on. Why are you, why are you looking at me like that here? I mean, the Don, why are you doing me like you think I'm lying? Oh, question. Oh my gosh. Nah, you, I need, this is my therapy. You, you and I are run. We're, we're in the Olympics. We're running a race. Yeah. Right. I'm ahead. I fall out two feet before the finish line. Oh, I'm crossing the finish line. No, up? hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I'm going to come back. Hell for you, no. I'm going to come back. No. <laughs> listen, I'm. I, no. Now, now, now it's different. If we were running a marathon, okay, if we were running a marathon and we just put in our 23.5 miles. Right. And I see you stumble at the finish line, but you have been leading all of this time. I'm picking you up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm picking you up. I don't know. It, it, I'm it, not. It, huh? I'm not. I will finish. I will come back for you. I will, I will bring a medic. But I'm going to finish, right? If I didn't trip you, I, I, I'm going to be like, come on, B, you got to finish No, I only said that in marathon or, running. I only said that in marathon running. But if we're doing something else, bro, like if you are on the one-yard okay. line and your leg is in a position that it's not supposed to be in, but I need to get through you to score a touchdown, bro, you just going to be legless. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Well, see, and that's why I asked what, what sportsmanship is because a lot of this stuff is within – it's within the rules, you know, flopping is part of the game, you know? Um, But, but, but no, I I think it's interesting for me. I like competitive empathy. Um, Yeah. I like that a lot as well. I, what comes to mind, an example that comes to mind also is with Naomi Osaka. She beat Coco Goff. I think it was a year ago, maybe two years ago now. And remember Coco Goff is like 14, 15 years Mm. old and she's in tears and she's just going to get... Tennis is cold-blooded, man. Like, when you lose in yeah. tennis, you're in this giant arena, and you just got to go through the tunnel. And Osaka went to, to Coco and said, hey, do you want to do the press conference with me? She was like, no, 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 no. And she was like, you should come and do me. And she ended up doing it. And, you know, she stayed for a minute, and Naomi Osaka talked about it. She said, I didn't want her to be alone. You know, mm. I didn't want her to be in the locker room crying by herself because I've been there. You know, and I think that 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 points to the character and integrity that you talked about, Harris. I think that that points to the competitive empathy without without dialing any of her game down. Right. Like if Coco was crying when Naomi was serving, she was still going to serve her serve. Right. Like I prepared to do this thing and I'm going to do that um, with full regard to my training. But I'm not going. But I'm but you're still a human. And, and and a human who I I appreciate and respect, um, yeah no I think that's huge and and to the extent that I don't know how to coach it you know I, I hope that we can just kind of demonstrate it yeah, in, in our lives as fathers both in and outside of sports um, so that when our kids have that opportunity to shine be it band or sports or dance or uh, or some other endeavor that we haven't even thought of that they'll bring that same spirit. So I appreciate you guys sharing. Absolutely. Great question. Great, great yeah. question. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, before we before we wrap up, what are you guys looking forward to these days? Right. I'm looking forward to having, uh, hopefully could have a similar experience to 
Brian, um, my 10th anniversary week is, yeah, 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 is um, not next week, but the week after. So uh, I took that week off of work and um, we still haven't decided what we're going to do yet, (laughs) but um, we're going to lead the state. I'll tell you that. We're going to lead the state. Um, Okay. Go to Virginia. Uh, <laughs> why? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't nah, go somewhere where I could speak. I'm you sorry. want ten years in a day? You want ten years in a day? Not ten years. Like, don't go. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We love enough. y'all, Virginia listeners. But um, yeah, man. So I'm looking forward to that. Hey, that's okay. awesome. That's awesome. Re- real quick, I did Sadia's hair for the first time. Uh, man, we got back from Maine and uh, my mom had bought some bows. So she was sending mad pictures of just Sadia having her hair done. And uh, man, just washed it and brought her downstairs and had a, had a brush, had a bow. But, you know, I went ahead and put a part right down the middle. Uh, I messed it up the first time. Uh, so I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm all in on my kids, um, as y'all know. But it's just something that I didn't understand when we first started this journey not having a daughter, uh, that I'm so glad that I have y'all because there are these moments where I'm just like, man, this is awesome. This is truly awesome. So yeah, man, like I, I need some help with this biracial hair, y'all. I really do. Uh, cause the front is Hawaiian. The top is black and the back, bruh, I don't know what it is, but I need some help. All right. We need, we can do a whole show yeah. on, on, on trying to figure out our daughter's hair. What about you, Dean? Um, For me, real quick. So NTC is the Nike training club, and they have a free app. And one of the things that, and it's constantly grown and grown and grown during, during the pandemic. And one of the things that I saw that they have is activities that you can do with your kids. And it's a guy and his daughter, and they're doing these these little workouts, and it's so dope. And just to kind of give you an idea, instead of saying, you know, we're going to do some squats, it's we're going to try to jump like a frog, you know, and just making it fun and and the gamification, because really what it is is quality time with your kid, but it's also teaching movement, it, it's teaching. Um, children to be comfortable with their bodies and to be active and to push. And uh, I'm excited to see more things like that out there because one of the challenges that we have um, as a community is, is keeping our kids active and healthy and, and just letting them know that, um, that everything is for them. It's all on the table. And so that's a really, really creative way um, that I came across that, that people are doing it. So Download it. It's a free app. It's a free workout. Um, it's actually like 10 of them. And I think they have some other stuff on there. I look forward to exploring and, and doing doing more stuff like that. So That's cool, man. Yeah. yeah, it's no. So this has been the Dad Jeans Podcast, our conversation, part two of our conversation on youth athletics. We love hearing from our listeners. We really appreciate the questions that you guys gave us and the feedback. Um, if you agree or disagree with something that we've said, always hit us up. Info at Dad Jeans Podcast is our email address. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Dad Jeans Podcast. And if you like what you heard, share us and give us a five star review. Five, five star. Stars. We we appreciate it, and it sends a message that that shows like this are, are worth being heard, and uh, it encourages Apple and other podcast 
platforms to, to invest and to spotlight things like this. So we thank you and we look forward to talking to you again. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane and do good. Peace. 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 Mom, are you booing? Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>